Hey there, Aligned You listeners. This is Dr. M here and welcome to our Aligned and Thriving season and series of interviews. I am super pumped to be sharing a series of stories and interviews with some amazing humans, people, some who I've admired from a distance for a long period of time, others who I know personally and call dear, dear friends and feel very privileged to do so. This series is designed to actually dive deeper into what allows them to truly live an aligned you and aligned you life and to be thriving, whether that's in their work life, their home life or their play life and working out truly is there common themes or is everyone different and we really do all reach our full potential in our own unique way. Enjoy this season. I've had an absolute pleasure and joy recording it. I'm your host, Dr. M, and you're listening to Aligned You, a podcast designed to assist you to truly be aligned through your body, head, and heart so you can reach your full potential in your own unique way. Hey there, Aligned You listeners, Dr. M here, and welcome to our next episode of the Aligned and Thriving interview series. I am super pumped to have today's guest on. She's an amazing, funny, funny fucking lady, let me tell you. She's, I actually... It's quite funny, actually, because I watched her TEDx talk recently and she talks about how she's been famous for 15 years, but, you know, that there have been short snippets on various things. We'll talk more about that in a moment, I'm sure. But I've actually been watching her for quite a few years and then I had the pleasure of meeting her on a course last year that I was doing with the amazing Pauline Yuen and, uh, and got to know Diana a little bit more through that platform. And when I was planning this series of interviews for Aligned and Thriving, I was pumped when she agreed to be on this particular series. So my guest for today is the Amazing Diana Nguyen. I probably said that a bit wrong. She can she can actually correct me in a moment. Diana's mum wanted her to be a doctor, as a lot of Vietnamese parents and Asian parents want their children to become professionals of various things, but she became an actor. Her mum is now her biggest fan and wants to be an actor too. We're going to talk more about that in a second, I'm sure. She's a creative entrepreneur. And what does that mean? Well, it means she's a writer, a producer, a director, a theatre maker, a guest speaker, a drama facilitator, an MC and a performer and all of the above. Not sure if you do that all at once, Diana. I'm sure we'll talk more about that in a sec too. Uh, She's also a LinkedIn video content creator and she has 58,000 followers on there. She's known as hashtag dancing Diana. Uh, She's also the host of Snortcast. You might hear the reason why it's called that in a moment if I actually make this beautiful lady laugh today. She has live interviews on LinkedIn and Facebook. She recently did her first TED Talk uh, in February of, was that last year or this year? We'll talk more about that in a sec. It was, uh, which I thoroughly enjoyed watching. She's a co-creator and executive producer of Fee and Me TV and the first ever Vietnamese Australian family comedy series released in 2019. And there's five episodes of that, which you can watch at Fee me.tv. She's appeared on the project ABC Q&A in 2012, The Footy Show. I'm not sure how you ended up there. I'll ask in a moment. The Friday Front Bar is a guest panellist. And since going back to school in 2016, she now works creatively full time. She's toured all over Australia, Orange County, USA, Edinburgh and Scotland. In her spare time, she loves basketball and learning how to surf. She's a funny, funny lady. And there's lots of questions I have for her today. One of the favourite questions that she posed, of my favourite questions she posed uh, on her TED Talk was, what is your caffeine? And uh, I'm I'm looking forward to diving deeper into that, Diana. Welcome to the Aligned and Thriving interview series. Thank you for having me on, Dr. M. Uh, You're most, most welcome. As I mentioned in in what became a long-winded introduction of you, is that um, we got the pleasure of of being on an online course last year when uh, when you were stuck in lockdown. Yes. uh, 
it was just before our second lockdown here in Melbourne, which was the epic four and a half months of, uh, you know, no contact with, uh, no physical contact with family. And conveniently, I needed contact with my spiritual self. So <laughs> I was really with that Pauline came into my life on a Facebook page video that she sponsored <laughs> and um, <laughs> it, it spoke straight to me and I knew that this was the time I needed and um, I met you in that group. I know, right? So uh, are we actually blaming the second lockdown on your desire and need for spiritual growth? That's correct. All right, yes. <laughs> You're taking responsibility for it. Um, and as a disclaimer fact, she's actually not taking full responsibility for it. But I love that in terms of sometimes we get handed things at the time we need them, right, as frustrating and uh, and disturbing as they can be at the time. But it was, it was so interesting at that particular time, uh, given that I'm based in Sydney and we were not in lockdown. And the, in the particular online group that we're on, I think there was four or five of you that were in Victoria at the time in various parts of lockdown. Um, and it was, it was fascinating, but I want to talk more about that because given that you're full-time in the arts, what sort of impact did Rona have on you last year? It must've been huge. It was a, a huge um, impact on my life for the good and the bad. And I guess I'll start with the bad, which was that, uh, you know, I, I've been working this career. This is my 16th year as um, a performer and creative uh, and you know my schedule was leading up to the Melbourne Comedy Festival so mm. Melbourne International Comedy Festival is the second largest comedy festival in the world um, there are over 500 acts over you know four weeks and you know my career had led me to this point to chasing Keanu Reeves which is the show that <laughs> I uh, made for 2020 um, but then three weeks before Comedy Festival was meant to launch and my career was meant to launch, this, you know, quotation mark, um, it cancelled. It blew up in our faces. And I guess that's when artists knew that um, this COVID-19 was a lot, was, uh, yeah, we knew that this was not just any kind of flu or virus, that this, mm. to, have a, to have our art festival cancel like a international one cancel before other um, events were cancelled it we knew that this was um not okay and so it it led to a downfall of my um, my humanity and i found myself you know in the month of april just lying in bed watching youtube videos <laughs> to get through it so uh yeah so you know i've been i've been that was the bad. That was the bad. But then in May, I saw that video of Pauline on a Facebook page. And I've known Pauline for years. I read her book, The Secret, um, the Secret Lantern. The Secret to the Secret Red Lantern. That's it. Um, like 10 years ago. And I just admired her, her balls and her strength, her power. Um, you guys aren't related, right? Just no, for the listeners, because they might go last names and go, this, is this complete nepotism right now? You guys aren't actually related. No, we're not. Oh, we're not related, but I'd, I'd met her probably once at the Feemy uh, web series launch in Sydney. Um, but but I was always attracted to her. I, there was some kind of energy that made me want to look at her and watch her. And, yeah, that was the good of 2020. I found who the fuck I was and who I needed to be and who I needed to step in. And I think what Pauline says is, like start when do you start this journey 
you start, you know, when, like for me, it's like, I need to start this now because I need to live my life now, not for anyone else or, you know, compare myself to anyone, to people around me. I thought that's what I've been doing for so long. But I was like, I need to live in my world now and start creating my own universe. Um, and yeah, that's Pauline. So that was my 2020 comedy comedy festival closed and then I kind of blew up in my own self (laughs) (laughs) and well I've got multiple questions that stem off off that the first question I have for you given that the comedy festival blew up and and to give people context did you feel like this comedy or the comedy festival that was meant to to run 2020 you've been around for a long time but was did you feel like you were getting some serious momentum with some of the other gigs that you were getting was that going to be a big accelerator for you that then blew up yeah, it was definitely accelerator, and I, you know, I keep count of the years I'm in the industry, and I keep logging events that are happening, and I just, just everyone around me knew that 2020. I think everyone thought 2020 was the year. You know, it was the year to conquer. <laughs> and then we all got handed our ass. <laughs> that's it. That's it. Um, yeah, I, I had been on the project the year before, and had good momentum, um, and I knew that just by getting this stand-up show ready and performed that it would lead to more media work. Um, and I was, you know, the release of Fee and Me, uh, which is a web series that I co-wrote, you know, it all these little projects were leading to this, you know, the comedy festival is like a, port, uh, a portfolio. You know, it's, you know, when people go, oh, yeah, I like her, oh, I'm going to follow her, oh, I like her, I'm going to hire for a corporate gig. Uh, so it just, it was just that meant to be, you know, the volcano erupting moment, mm. you know, for four weeks you get to walk around Melbourne watch and support your colleagues' shows and you get to you know, be in the industry for those four weeks and we lost that. So that was really disappointing. So after that moment where your volcano eruption got literally put a stopper on mm. it, how have you, yeah. you mentioned that you've really figured out now over the last six months who you are, what different uh, approach are you taking after having gone through that period of chaos? So that makes sense. So is is there something that you've rejigged and, and pivoted so that you're coming out the other side different? Uh, yes, I think this whole <laughs> this whole podcast will be about me about my fluctuation with Pauline um, and how I was really scared of her. So I did her roundtable, which was my first initiation into her work. And the moment um, I came on, she had been watching me silently in the dark. Um, she had lights on. <laughs> she had, didn't have a Zoom video on and she just, no, she she came on and then directly went to me on the Zoom because we are on Zoom at this point for Roundtable and she said, you're not breathing and I started to cry and she named it and I knew, I knew I hadn't been breathing for a good 20 years of my life. And I think when someone calls that out and you recognise it, I knew that this was the moment I had to breathe for me. I had to put oxygen into my tree. Um, so I did breath work with Pauline and I, I, did, I did breath work, a holotropic, holotropic breath work earlier in February. So I knew that breath um, was really important to me and I learned that by doing the breath work, it neutralised my nervous system. Mm-hmm. And then allowed me to actually activate my roots um, into the ground so that I can like accelerate my spirituality. Um, yes, so breath work and you know meditation 
um, has been my, my grounding foundation to be who I need to be now. Um, and, you know, it was eradicating shame for me. Uh, of, in the last six months, it's been truly understanding what the fuck shame is and how I carried it like the, like the Hunchback of Notre Dame. I, um, I carried it like a deformity that, um, that I thought I could not take off me. Like I felt like it was part of my, my DNA. Um, and then when you realise that it's not part of you, it is a freaking release. It is, um, it's, a re it's a rebirth. The last six months has been a rebirth for me. And then it then allowed me to put the dots that I needed, no, that alignment, like to really go, Diana, who are you and what are we going to do now? And so, again, I have every time you start talking, I'm loving what you're saying. It's so fascinating. And it's uh, many questions coming off the back of that. Number one, can I ask what, what we, how long had you been carrying shame and, and did you identify what you were carrying it about? I knew I've been seeing a psychologist for 11 years, so I definitely knew what my shame was about. <laughs> I had. I, uh, I, I love I your had, snort. We're gonna we're gonna talk about your snort cast later. Um, I I had talked out my shame for so long with professionals, um, psychologists, and I needed that. But but I knew in late 2019 that I that I talked myself around in a circle. Mm -hmm. um, and I, because I knew, I knew of my shame, but I just didn't know what to do with it. So I, I went to a, see a healer. I went to see um, a pleasure therapist and then, you know, going to see a spiritual coach, which is Pauline, was the, the next level um, of me healing from the shame. Like, like literally in 2020, Instead of carrying it and, um, you know, every decision I made was a shit decision. Everything I did was a comparison to other people's. Everything I did was not good enough because I victimised myself for over 28 years. Um, and we're talking about child trauma here. Um, I, with the breath work and with the work of these healers, I lifted this blanket of shame and I put it down beside me that's a very um, good spot to pop it I think for sure when since you've yes. got rid of that 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 blanket of shame has it changed how you approach things professionally oh my my life and my work has been blowing up <laughs> tell me more about it that has I it took away fear <laughs> It took away self-doubt. It took away self-sabotage. Um, and, you know, we, we just talked about the snortcast. So the snortcast is where I interview comedians about their processes in being funny. Like we see comedians stand on stage and be funny, but we don't see the story behind the funny. And this came out of the lockdown too in Melbourne in July. And I decided started to interview comedians, but I interviewed, um, you know, my friends who knew me and I felt safe in. Mm -hmm. But I think 
because I was doing this groundwork with Pauline and about myself and how, you know, you know, what do you do when that shame blanket, that blanket where you're not good enough, you put it aside next to you and you kind of go, I can do this. So then I started reaching out to comedians who had no idea who I was, um, who had, you know, a very big fan base. Like we're talking top comedians like Silly Bacola, Luke McGregor, Nazim Hussein, you know, these big names like Peter Hallier, Joe Stanley. I just went straight to them. I messaged them. I said, hello, my name's Diana. Um, I've been working in this industry. I'm a comedian um, and I would love to interview about your processes. And the response I got was yes. Awesome. Yes. <laughs> and I'm just thinking if that would not have happened if I hadn't done all that work to put shame aside. That was just a very simple act um, and, and to do a lot of care and loving to this human being um, that, that you know, you're talking to right now. I don't think I would have reached that point if the pandemic didn't happen. Yeah, I think that's a, a very common theme from from 2020, and and that people, uh, and a lot of what you're talking about in terms of breath work and mindset, are part of the pillars of of Align You. We talk about spinal health and brain body connection. We talk about breath, inflammation, movement, and then mindset as well. And so, one of the things that I've certainly seen with clients and various things that I'm a part of is that that's what 2020 was all about. You had a choice to evolve, right, or you were going to repeat. And sometimes we got handed things throughout 2020 that we didn't really fucking want, let's face it, but it's amazing when we make a choice of that we're going to keep showing up through that period, what opportunities actually start opening up, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, and I am thriving in what I did in 2020, in 2021. Like I am cool. full, I've got a full load of work and I'm saying no to people. And How cool is that in the arts? You're, you're like fully booked with a wait list it's it's pretty it's pretty amazing and a lot of people are watching me going how the fuck is she doing that yeah it's quantum baby (laughs) we'll talk about that perhaps later quantum's a powerful thing right when we start playing in different spaces i want to go back you you touched on in your um in your ted talk if you're happy to talk a little bit about what actually what actually drove you into the arts to start with because you had a you had a tricky childhood it wasn't easy what made you choose to go into the arts in the first place, given that mum wanted you to be a doctor? You couldn't have got much further away from that. <laughs> yeah. Well, this is the funny thing, which is like my parents were um, in the arts. They would put loud Vietnamese music pounding. My dad would dance with me every evening. My mum would videotape me as a child, just moving my body. Um, and, you know, it, like the arts was was in my life a very young child uh however not all marriages last and my parents did have um a lot of conflict a lot of war being and I've learned a lot of generational trauma in the last you know six months as well it's been a very evolving 12 months uh six to 12 months for me uh I realized that the Vietnam war passed on this uh, trauma to my parents um, and, that, that, and that's how they spoke to each other in conflict so I, I you know their marriage became a, a metaphor for the Vietnam War and it was violent and 
um, in this particular moment in my life, my mum and my two sisters and I, we had to stay in a women's refuge um, and I had to move schools and I was the only, you know, Vietnamese Asian girl in this very white school um, and I had to fit in. And I remember this one moment where there was classical music flowing in the background um, of this garden that, that we were staying in. Um, and then we went next door, mum and I went to investigate with the sister who ran the, the women's refuge and it was girls dancing in their ballet outfits and I was just mesmerized and and I thank my mum for seeing you know this child who needed something um, and so that next week I became a ballerina and I competed for two years and you know won my my, you know, it doesn't matter what um, field you're in, but Asians are just very competitive. <laughs> with their parents. And I, I won, I won blue ribbons in you know ballet. <laughs> um, Love it. So you know that 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 joy that my mum saw in me watching these girls, it actually set that motion in me to seek joy in everything I do. And um, so that's where my TED talk comes from is how do you, you know, in, in your childhood memory, what was the joy that lit you up? And are you activating that joy as an adult? And so what are you doing regularly now to make sure you're activating that joy? Oh, I'm a dancer. <laughs> I, dance, I dance on LinkedIn and really fuck up people's brains. <laughs> Why are you fucking up people's brains on LinkedIn? Tell me about, I liked how you put it, that you were you were um, bridging the gap. I'm not quite sure that's the words you use, but bridging the gap between business and the arts, taking, yes. taking, taking the platform out of its comfort zone. Yes. So I, I'm on LinkedIn and I just want to update you. I, I have 68,000 followers. Well, 68, sorry. I, was, um, I beg your pardon. you got to update your website, lady. I do. I do. It's the growth has been snow. I've been in the quantum. Um, <laughs> You've got to come back to earth so you can update your website. Um, <laughs> I do. I'll fix it. I'll fix it later. But uh, no, I... Um, well, you know, think about LinkedIn. LinkedIn is a professional business platform and it's corporate people. And, you know, I am an entertainer, a comedian and a hobby dancer. So one day I flooded my mum's house with pink laundry powder. You know when you don't put the tube into the sink and then it starts, it pulls into oh, the ground? Yep. That's what happened. So I decided to film myself dancing it. And I was going to put it on Instagram. Um, but then I thought, hang on a minute, why don't I just put this on LinkedIn? It just as a, you know, to see what happens. And it went viral, <laughs> hence um, the hashtag Dancing Diana. But then I, um, but I've been traveling around um, Australia and particularly in the US. I went to the US in 2019 and met over 500 LinkedIn um, content creators who'd been following me from Australia. And every time I met them, there would be 50 of them from like San Fran, New York, and like, you know, in the major cities. Every time I, at the end of my talk about, you know, taking the courage to make video on LinkedIn, I said, well, let's take a courage and dance with me. I would get all these people in the room to dance with me, business people, you know, who ran businesses or worked for other people. There was this weird 
synergy in the room where they were like allowing me to guide them to move their bodies. They had no coordination, but they gave me this gift of trust. And um, I realized, and that's where the TED Talk um, it has it was my uh, summarine hypothesis in the end. Um, it was that um, that adults, even in business, desire joy, mm-hmm. uh, and by by dancing with me in their mid thirties, forties, and fifties in their business suits, it was their moment. Those three seconds of just pure joy. And, but I, I also use the hashtag joyful, so F-O-O-L, is that just allowing yourself to fall over and laugh about it. It really activates um, another um, element in yourself to give things a go. Um, so that's how Dancing Diana happened. And I still dance, still dance on LinkedIn and have kept, um, you know, uh, Growing well, my followings jump by ten k. That's that's a good that's a good jump, and I, I love it. I mean, as adults, is that, um, and there's the a component where whether what age it happens, but when you go from being joyful, f u l l, and also not worrying about looking like a fool either at the same time, is we then we all of a sudden we yes. get grown up, and we get put in suits and ties and real shoes. I don't wear real shoes very often. It's a joke. I'm usually in sneakers. Um, is it's, I only act like a grown-up sometimes. Is it's at making sure that we're grown up all the time versus being able to have that space to move and do all the stuff that we're, we're actually designed to be doing in our human form so that our, our souls can have a beautiful experience while we're earthside. I love, I love that yeah, you're helping to literally break the shackles and loosen ties um, by having fun and at the same time bringing yourself a whole heap of joy at the same time, which is which is super cool. Um, other than dancing, what else are you doing to bring yourself joy? Um, I surf. Uh, I there's something of this beauty of sitting on your surfboard and just seeing the ocean move underneath you. Uh, I, I are you I, one of the few Vietnamese surfers out at your break? Just yeah. a question. Yes. <laughs> It's not. It's not. <laughs> can't can't it's picture there's hot. too many peeps out in the break that look like you. No, well, there are, well, there's Asians who surf and then there's <laughs> Japanese who surf. Ah, so, okay. You're, you're making a distinction. Yeah, there is a distinction. What's the I, distinction? Tell me about that. Um, Japanese surfers look really good on the surfboard and I don't. <laughs> <laughs> So you're just tossing the rest of Asian uh, Asian continent in with you. I love that. Uh, no, that's just no. That's just Diana. I I well look. I, I'm definitely a joyful in everything I do. So I'm happily failing while surfing. So uh, yes. <laughs> I love it. It actually brings me to another question. I mean, I grew up, uh, I'm not sure if you remember whether I actually spoke about it on an online course. I often talk about the fact I'm a genetic experiment. So my dad was Hungarian and my mum was half Vietnamese. Oh, there's a mixture, English, Malay, China. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Malaysian. How about I get it right? French, Vietnamese, English, Malaysian is my other half mix. And then my dad was Hungarian. So my parents decided the appropriate place to bring up mixed race children was in the Sutherland Shire in the late 70s, early 80s. So I never fitted in. And I talk about it a lot in uh, one of the keynotes I do for corporates, which is how to fit out to stand out in business. I'd love to hear a bit about how you, how did you find your childhood, given that you mentioned particularly at, say, ballet, is that you were probably the only Asian kids there back 
20, 30 years ago. Um, how did you find that experience? And do you find fitting out easy now? Oh, goodness. Like, I just have to mention, like, one woman's word, a woman's name, and her name's Pauline Hanson. She really jarred my identity as a child and teenager. Mm. Um, and I always felt um, I had to fit in. You know, when you're human, you're just meant to be. Mm. But I felt like when she came along and she really pinpointed the differences of Asian and human people, <laughs> mm. I the, it then made me start this journey of separating myself from the Asian to be in the cool group. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I've always felt the need to be part of something. Uh and uh, and I talk about it a lot in my comedy, uh, and I have like ugh, I hate saying it, but I really enjoyed it. early in my career. Um, there weren't many Asian um, performers mm. or actors. I really thrived on being the only Asian person in a theater group. Like I was like, I'm the special one. I fit in now. Um, it was awful because that kind of mindset um, doesn't allow growth. It mm. allows this stunted uh, view that um, this is how life should be. I should be one of the only special people. Mm. I was, it was kind of like I created a, a disability in my mind for myself in my own career. Uh, it was yuck. I, I, I look at that and I go, fuck. So when how- did that shift? Because that's really interesting. Yeah, I, it shifted when I became friends with other performers and actors and started to um, support them and see their work. And I just realised, you know, it's like um, Usain Bolt. He wouldn't be the fastest man in the world if he didn't have other men who tested him. Mm-hmm. And for me, in my early in my career, I felt like I had no one to test me because I closed my world so tightly to being the only Asian person in my circles, mm. in my professional circles. But once I opened it and saw, you know, um, there were other Asian profess- professionals who were in the industry, who were accelerating, um, who needed support, I realised that, I, that we, I actually need, we needed to put, we needed to bond and build together. Interesting. Did you find that you were uh, making those choices in social connections as well when you were younger, that you were one of the only Asians in your social circles as well, or was that different? No, it was different. So social, I've still, I'm still friends with my girlfriends from 28 years ago. And so I've got a lot of networks. Um, so my core friendship group, uh, you know, it's uh, seven women who now have 10 children in between them and their partners. Um, and so, you know, it is a very Asian group because we got what it understood to grow up with, you know, Asian parents so, or my um, migrant parents or refugee parents. So, mm-hmm. I was very lucky to foster that community Um, and, you know, I I look at that community of friends that I have um, and I see my values just, I see my garden there. Um, I see, like, 
this is who Diana is. There is no comparison. We support each other and we care each other. But then when I go into my professional, and it's, it's, it's just the way the industry in Australia is. Australia, the, the entertainment industry just likes to um, pick one flower and make you stand by yourself. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's not this fostering of, of, of beautiful gardens. It's like, you're special. We're going to highlight you and you be the famous. We'll grow and give you all the work. You're the only Asian that we'll give the work to because that's who we know. Um, and, and, and so that, that's, why, that's why there's like this massive disparity of Asian talent on Australian TV right now. Um, and I've been doing this for 16 years and still, you know, I'm still emerging. <laughs> And is that part of why you developed your own TV series, just to go, fuck you all, I'm going to do it myself. If you're not going to do it, I'll bloody do it. Well, that's why I got into professional comedy. Yeah, Mm -hmm. so Fee and me was like, how do I act for an hour? Um, I've got to write a show about growing up with our Vietnamese mum. So Fee and me was originally first a comedy festival show uh, in 2011. 2011, so 10 years ago. Wow. And it was for the first time we saw two, two Vietnamese women get on stage um, and do sketch and you know, celebrate our mum and our Vietnamese culture because our culture is very unique. Well, if, when, if you're partly Vietnamese, <laughs> you would get that too. I, I, um, I, I get, I get just, a little bit of it. So Although exciting. this morning on the cliffs I was a beautiful Chinese fisherman. I think you'll appreciate this story. I was sitting meditating yeah. on the cliffs at Clovelly watching sun come up and I had headphones in and I could hear somebody yelling and I was like, I don't know if that's at me. Anyway, I turned around. There's this lovely Chinese fisherman who I think he was speaking Mandarin to me. I'm not sure. And he, he was like nearly yelling at me to get my attention. And I said, oh, I'm sorry, I don't understand. He went, oh, you're not Chinese. I went, no. And he went, I said, enjoy fishing. And he wandered off. I don't know what he was saying to me. It was quite funny. I'm like, I must have been looking particularly Asian on the cliffs this morning. Um, he wanted what you were having. Potentially. Um, but yeah, but, but if I like talk about being a stand-up comedian, I am a trained theatre actor. I went to university and trained. Yeah. However, the Australian industry does not hire Asian actors um, because we're, we're, there are very limited roles and, you know, the joke is that I get 20 second roles on most TV shows in Australia. And I Have you got a record um, for that? Like that's then, a record, right? You could go, I've had the most 20-second roles. Yeah, and, and you know, it's, it's a, a good list of TV shows I've been on, but... I did my research in 2015 and realised that um, TV wasn't hiring actors anymore. They were actually hiring comedians to mm-hmm. host their shows. Like if you think about radio and panels, they host, they, they only hire comedians. Like that's, that's the way TV's now moved on from actors now. So they, you know, they create TV shows, like TV comedy shows, with actors like, you know, think of Rose Haven, that's with Luke McGregor and Celia Bacola. Um, and Nazim Hussain's got his own sketch show. So there was this this momentum of just hiring comedians. So in 2016, I was like, fuck it. I'm going to be a be comedian. A comedian. And, <laughs> so that I could get more work. And by doing that, I have gotten more work. That's, that's how historical. I have created my career. <laughs> 
That's gold. So your pivot midway through was to actually create a like, well, to make become a comedian. That was never the goal. That was never the goal. I'm a theatrical performer <laughs> who loves storytelling. Loves to see people not say anything to me. I you don't want hecklers to, to in the honest, crowd bouncing back. Oh, I love hecklers because that's when I become my mum. Like, you know, <laughs> that's when you attack back. Um, yeah, I know, but that's, that's, that's sort of the most fucked up thing is that I've had to pivot and pivot and pivot and pivot to get where I am now. <laughs> I, I think that I, I suppose that the reframe of it being fucked up is how fucking cool because now, I mean, talk about resilience building. It's got a, that's that's built a shell of resilience that as you were going through 2020 um, and beyond now that playing in quantum and doing some other cool stuff look look out in the next 10 to 20 years far out and do you do you see the industry in Australia changing or do you see that you're just going to have to keep carving out your own way through it all yeah I I, I have to keep carving my my way and I have to move to the US if I want to keep growing my career yeah it's just so limited thinking here in Australia it's um, interesting right but it's it's such there, a powerful no place growth. to be that you understand that now yeah I do and I used to like mourn it but you know it's our culture here in Australia we've got this weird ass tall poppy syndrome where we're told can't grow we'll pull you back down so you can hang out with us again um you know, and, uh, you know, America's not all that great too, but, but they have this um, this surge of opportunity. Like if you believe in it, you go get it. Um, but I'm going to do it with compassion. <laughs> so when when's that on the cards so that I can, I can diarise it, we keep an eye on it, and then at one point I'll go, I remember when we did that interview back in the start of 2021 and that you, you earmarked it that you were going. Yes. There, there was a motion to move last year, but ah. I feel like 20, I, I feel like uh, I couldn't have moved knowing who I was before. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? 100%. You needed like to become now, the step into the new you. Not, yes. Yes, I do. And now I'm in it. I'm like, that's why I have no fear about the US now because I did have fear before but now I don't have fear because I know you said it before when you know that this is the career that you're going to work in for the rest of your life you will keep working in it like it doesn't become work it becomes your life it becomes Um, part of who you are right when you're talking about just like just being you is if that's you is finding ways to be able to express that is is so cool and and staying with that alignment as well do you feel like you could have had the career in your art in the arts that you've had to date and now stepping into the newer version and the evolved version of you do you feel like you could have had that without the struggles and the battles that you had along the way oh uh i um well, that, that's what 2020 did to me was it made me realise why comedy um, was and is in my life and it was very devastating to realise that comedy was a tool to survive for me. Mm. And I'm trying to unpro- like t- unprocess that thought of 
what if comedy wasn't part of my life? Would I still be who I am? Um, and I would say, yes, I would still live with joy, but I don't know if I would have used the shield of comedy um, as a protection, if I had to live my life again, um, I think I would have tried to shed the, the and I'm saying this, uh, this is a very new development for mm. me because I'm processing this, is that um, comedy um, hid my real self to the world and you know, there's there's two there's two diff different levels of comedy. There's comedy where you laugh down, and there's comedy where you laugh up. Mm -hmm. And you know, before 2020, I was laughing down at myself, like poor Diana. Diana's <laughs> Diana's had all these misfortune um, misfortunate um, stories that happened to her, but now, and I've been given feedback that now I'm starting to laugh up. And my audience aren't ready for that because I've just need an old new audience, baby. It's been like a massive shift. Yeah. Oh, look, I, I understand different different audiences, but I went through something similar last year where um, prior to last year, my my original podcast and and my I suppose side branding, apart from my integrative chiropractic practice, which used to be in Red Wellness, and my 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 side gig, which was all of my speaking and podcasting, was known as the I was known as the Queen of Stress, and the podcast was was called be the queen of your stress and and as i evolved into aligned you because again very similar queen of stress was could be taken in the negative aligned you is in the the looking up versus looking down and last year is like my my audience has shifted significantly as i've shifted and some of them have come and some of them haven't and that's okay uh it's it's having that awareness of, of that shift right that's really interesting and 2020 definitely mm -hmm amplified that that's for sure and now it's time for the rubber to hit the road to uh to continue amplify the, the the new audience for the the new version of me as well it's 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 really fascinating that that's a very similar journey that you went through last year yeah and you know we you i i feel very um uh, honored that you know i i met you in that group because each we all experienced a, a massive journey last year. 100%. And it was really great to have that intimate, um, you know, we met up every Wednesday morning, but it felt like a, a family of people who were just on this level of going, there is more Absolutely. that I can do for myself. And that's, and I think that's really magical. Align yourself with people like that. 100%. And it's um, to give context to the Aligned You listeners, at that time, Diana was in lockdown uh, while we were doing the Accelerator course. Uh, it was literally through the process of my mum's transition to her pink cloud before my mum passed and then shortly afterwards. So it was massive change. And uh, my mum was a very big part of my life while she was Earthside. So it was it was massive change. And coming out the other side of it, and I think this, this speaks to when we continue to make sure that we're hanging out with the right people. And you spoke to it in the sense of as you started to broaden in your professional sphere is then the acceleration and the opportunities that have come from that is huge and and talk a, bit, a lot about it in in the aligned you podcast in general is the people that we surround ourselves with is so very important i used to think it was a bit of a crock of shit when people go oh you're the mean some of the five people you spend the most time with that's fucking true and so 
curating who you're actually hanging out with is really important. It took me 40 odd years to figure that out. I'm about to turn 44 tomorrow, but that's where we, yeah, I know, right? Is it took me a long time to figure it out. So you're, you're, I've got a decade on you. So more power to you to figuring it out in your early 30s. Um, because that's, you know, it's such a powerful tool is the, that sphere and who, who we have in our orbit is, is so very important. Before we finish off today, I'd love to know what a utopic day looks like. What does what was da- a day in a life perfect day look like for you, Diana, so that you're you're feeling aligned and joyful throughout the day? Oh yeah. So if I um want if I know it's a full day of creativity and then that I need my maximum, uh, you know, my my full aura and you know, shooting out great light, um, it would be doing breath work. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, then, then finishing with meditation just to set everything in. And then I'm, su- I'm such a goal oriented person, so I would have my list. And su- I'm a cross person; like I would cross it out, and I feel so satisfied nice. <laughs> with myself. Yeah. Um, and then, and to optimize that is that um, I would do a boogie. I would put music on in the living room and just dance. I love it. Yeah. I love it. Um, and before we go today, I did what pre-warn her. Yeah, yeah which song it. is high rotation at the moment? We're gonna we're gonna finish off with your top five. What what song is on high rotation at the moment? Oh, I'm a mixture person, so I love listening to sad music because I think it fosters creativity and emotion. Um, so right now, um, I've got. Uh, oh, I have to look at my. Um, so one of the songs is uh, "Driver's License," um, and it, it, it's very—it's quite a nostalgic song because it takes me back to when I was seventeen, and you know, in that age of longing for love. Oh, and who I, sings I "Driver's License"? I don't—I probably recognise no, it, but Oliver, I don't. Oliver Rodrigo. It's very new. Okay. Very new song, um, and also I'm a big fan of Blackpink at the moment. Oh, <laughs> I. Don't, I just love these four four Korean women who are dominating the world, and I think we need more Asian powerful women uh, on mainstream, uh, nice. and that's, young children get to see that. Yeah, I like it. And um, what book or books are you reading or listening to at the moment? Uh, books that I so I've been reading two books. I've been only reading two books in the last couple of months. I've just been way too busy. Uh, one is that I uh, read Lorinda by Alice Pung. So I'm actually um, writing a co-optation of her book into a play for MTC here in Melbourne. Cool. And so I've had to read that book three times. <laughs> uh, and I'm also reading a recommendation from Pauline uh, called Blue Mind. Nice. Uh, because I'm a surfer and I just really just love the expansion of the color blue like blue sky blue ocean and you know when you see it you're, you're just this element just floating in it so uh yeah i love i'm enjoying that book at the moment nice and uh what have you done over the last week to to de-stress and align um my niece my sister had a baby d- during lockdown um and just to see this child's eyes look at you has just been like um has been my ovary tinkler <laughs> like it's is that de-stressing so you or is that stressing you out well, that sounds like stress to me so, <laughs> so relaxing 
I want to be a mom. I just, I'm just going to be that mom who's just relaxed having a child. Like, I just, yeah, I, I, babies relax me. And during lockdown, I relied on my friend's children to relax me because when I saw their joy, I felt euphoric. That's um, cool. Yeah. I like it. And have you got a favorite quote? Yes, it's a standard one, and I really believe in it. Um, it's from a famous movie called Star Wars. I love Star Wars. You know my mum's nickname was Yoda, right? I like it. No way. Yeah, that's what that was my <laughs> mum's quote. There you go. So in case I just spoke over Diana's favourite quote, it was may the force be with you, folks. And last but not least, have you got any final thoughts you'd love to leave with the Align G listeners for this episode? Yes, um, I would love for you just as an exercise is pop some music on or be in the shower or be in the car and just feel what happens when you just start moving your body because when you start, you know, moving the body, it really starts activating the connection to your mind and your spirit and, you know, our body is the vessel that allows us to move and I think, a lot of people forget to get to move our bodies. So move your body uh, with joy. I love it. That's a beautiful way to finish today's interview. Thank you so much for being on the Aligned and Thriving interview series. Folks, I'm going to hit her up again in a couple of years' time when she's uber famous in the States and see if she'll come back on and then we can talk about some of the new thoughts that you're integrating now and see what's integrated since then because I'm looking forward to, to watching watching you accelerate and amplify through 2021. Thank you so much for being on the show, Diana. And that's it for this week, Aligned you listeners. Bye for now and I'll catch you next time. And that's it for today's episode, Aligned You listeners. Remember to hit the five-star ratings and share today's episode with your friends. And be sure to join our collective on Facebook and Instagram at Aligned You. Look forward to catching you next time. The information shared on Aligned You podcast is of general nature and for information purposes only. It is not specific medical or personal advice. You should seek assistance from your healthcare practitioner for your individual circumstances. Any information provided doesn't imply endorsement or third-party devices or products and cannot provide you with health and medical advice.